Welcome to Big Brave Business. This is a podcast built on the belief that you can create absolutely anything for yourself. Whether it's a dream job or a dream life, it's all possible for you. I'm Amanda Nelson, a virtual assistant and digital marketer. And that's Sarah Heater, podcast producer and strategic consultant. Each week, we will share insights from working with dozens of clients, stories of how we got where we are, and encourage you to see us as your new business besties. So grab a cup of coffee and let's talk being brave in business. Welcome back to Big Brave Business. How are you, Amanda? Hi, Sarah. So happy to be here. I am hot. It is hot down here in Alabama as it is across the country. And I know it is like sweltering where you are. (laughs) We have the humidity. You just have like crazy temperatures, right? Absolutely. Yeah. This week that we're recording is really tough. It's like highs up to like 117 breaking records. It's like, yeah, it's bad. We just try not to go anywhere during the day and watch our energy bill and plan to move out of the desert. (laughs) I will tell you that I have three fans running pointing at me right now at my desk and I have the AC running. But as I've told you and fussed about a million times before, we have a historic (laughs) house and insulation is not the name of the game over here. It's not not killing it, but um, it's actually not too bad as long as you stay inside, like you said. But the minute I let the dogs out, the temperature drops like 10 degrees inside, I swear. So yeah, but I'm good other than that. What's going on with you this week? I feel like I'm still really getting acclimated coming back from taking time off. But this has also been an interesting week because I mentioned this on a previous episode, but we are doing, I'm calling it in this episode, a soft launch, but really it's like a founding members launch. It's like, instead of going wide and trying to build new contacts, it's like taking our existing contacts and launching to them. So we're doing a founding members launch for a membership that we're launching with PodFox. So I've been pretty immersed in that. Did two webinars this week and um, been answering lots of emails and questions about it. And uh, it's been really, really fun. What about you? I love it. Well, first, let me stop you there because I sat in on your webinar yesterday and it was so good. Thank you. Guys, I know it's like no surprise that Sarah's so good with public speaking, but seriously, it was really good. I was listening while I was making dinner last night and I was like, t- I was talking to you, but you couldn't hear me, obviously. <laughs> I was like, oh, good point. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good to know. So like, let's just circle back. We did not have this plan, so I'm sorry to put you on the spot. But who would you say is like the ideal member for the audio revolution? Is this putting you on spot? No, thank you so much for asking, actually. We could probably (laughs) do a better job of talking about what we do outside of Big Brave Business. So I think this is a good idea. Yeah. So PodFox, as you guys hopefully know, is a podcast production and strategic consultation company. And in the past, typically what our main offer has been is done for you production services. So management, editing, strategic consultation for podcasters or wannabe podcasters. And the membership is a way for us to provide strategic consultation to people who are either DIYing or already working with another manager or editor, but they aren't necessarily getting the strategic answers that they're looking for. So the perfect person, so the membership's called Audio Revolution, and the perfect person for that community that we're building is the podcaster or the 
potential podcaster, but you probably already have one or you're definitely already launching one who wants to make a massive impact on their community or their network or their industry. They're the disruptors, the innovators. So if you are the type of person, if you host a podcast or you plan to and you really want to build a platform to make a difference, to make an impact, to, we call it podcasting for good, (laughs) to make a little bit of trouble in your industry, make a little bit of noise in your industry, but for the purpose of making it better Um, or your community. So it's not necessarily only specific to entrepreneurs, also like advocates who are raising awareness or spreading education about something. But anything kind of in that realm. It's this like the change makers and we want to build this community of people across a ton of different industries and with a ton of different subject matter who are all really wanting to drive change and to make things better in whatever their respective community is. So if that sounds like you, we should definitely be connected anyway because we're like-minded people. So definitely make sure you reach out. You can follow me, as you know, on Instagram at Sarah K. Heater, or you can follow us right on Big Brave Business. I tend to be the one in the inbox because Amanda manages a million social media accounts for clients. So it's usually so if you message us on Big Brave Business, usually that's me <laughs> responding. It's very true. Okay, so I'm going to ask you another question. Okay, I'm just putting you on the spot today. This is not even what we're going to chat about. Okay, great. Okay, we hear it all the time. People say, um, even from like clients, there's like such a big imposter syndrome that comes with podcasting, I feel like. Mm. Um, Feeling like you don't have a lot to say or nobody cares what I have to say or I'm just not the person that would have a podcast. What do you say to people who feel like, I'm trying to tee this question up right for you and I have so many thoughts around this topic of imposter syndrome, so I'm trying to make Mm -hmm. it easy. But what do you say to someone who just feels like, I wish I could do that. It sounds really interesting, but I don't really know if podcasting is for me or if anybody would listen. How do you, what do you say to people that have those questions and fears and feel that imposter syndrome when it comes to having a podcast? I mean, we really could do a whole episode on that, (laughs) Um, but I guess the like shortest answer I would say is that's super normal to feel that way. Everybody feels that way. Even the biggest podcasters out there, obviously it gets easier to answer those questions when you're a huge podcaster and you have hundreds of thousands of listeners to be like the numbers to be able to point to. But there's something about sitting in a room by yourself and talking into a microphone that feels like nobody's listening. And then Mm -hmm. you post it on the internet and like, maybe you can see the numbers. um, But the main thing is like getting messages from people. And that's how we feel too. When we get actual messages from you saying you're listening and that you liked a particular episode or something really resonated with you, that's when we feel like, oh, that's right. This is a conversation. People care. So I think that's totally normal is the first thing that I would say. And I think the other piece of this is everybody starts at the beginning. So you have to just start at the beginning like any platform. It's going to get better as you keep going. And, you know, you – your voice matters and what you have to say matters. And there are definitely people out there who would benefit from what you have to say. So let us help you do that. (laughs) Yeah. And I also want to say this as someone who works on the back end of your business, I wish people understood. And you may laugh at me when I say this, because I don't think this is something that maybe you really, I think, I know you hit on it, but I'm going to, I'm going to go a little further. Okay. So, and I am not a podcast editor. I am not 
a podcast strategist. I'm you kind strictly... of are because you've been working in <laughs> podcast strategy for a year and a half. So give yourself what I, credit. <laughs> right. And this is what I tell clients of mine that don't have podcasts that are considering it is if you feel like, oh my God, my numbers are going to suck. Nobody's going to listen. I want to tell you how much credibility just saying you have a podcast actually totally. gives you. I have told you this before. I did not expect that when we started our show at all. I did not think that people would be as impressed, like <laughs> a little bit, you know? People are impressed when you tell them that you have a podcast. They think it's so cool. It mm -hmm. immediately gives you clout. It's like um, I have clients that say they have been in Forbes. Yes, their name was maybe mentioned in Forbes. Were they actually like a like contributor to an article? Maybe not, but they can say that they have been in Forbes. They can, and that gives them I mean, a lot of clout. Cool. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. What I'm trying to articulate, and maybe I'm failing, is it's really, in my opinion, the biggest benefits has been the community of us having Big Brave Business, but even more so, the amount of people who take me seriously, who are more interested in working with me, the amount of people who want to have a conversation with me. It's strictly a lot of it is because I have a show. I have a podcast where I'm very vocal about what I do and how I work with clients. So even if you don't have, I don't know, 10,000 listeners, every single episode, don't think that you're not going to get a lot of benefits from having a show. No, you're spot on. And I'm glad you said that, actually, because I share this a lot in uh, like offer a free 90 minute strategy session to anybody who's thinking about launching a podcast. And I do that instead of a sales call, which probably like we should do an episode about that. But yeah, anyway, I so I offer this free 90-minute strategy session, and on there, I do share that my other podcast, besides this one, is a podcast for Girl Scout troop leaders. I've been hosting this podcast since 2018, so it's more than five years old at this point, and it's a weekly podcast about being a Girl Scout troop leader. And like, if you're listening to this, you don't have to know anything about Girl Scouts. You don't have to have ever listened to the podcast or even honestly seen that that podcast really does exist. But just me saying I've been hosting a weekly podcast about being a Girl Scout troop leader for Girl Scout troop leaders since 2018 is enough to establish a certain amount of credibility and expertise that like you just believe me that I'm probably an expert at it at this point. So that's yeah, definitely it, true. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, and it helps you really, I hate to say this because it sounds so marketing-y, <laughs> but it really does help you stand out from other people. So like if you're thinking about starting a real estate or if you're in real estate and you want to start a podcast, you may tell yourself, oh, there's tons of other realtors out in the world. Nobody cares what I have to say. There's not a bajillion amounts of real estate podcasts out there. You could there's start- There's not a bajillion amounts of podcasts. Like, it's very that's true. Actually, one of the things I was going to say, but I was trying to keep it short- this is going to monopolize this episode, but that's okay. There's not even a bajillion amounts of podcasts out there. There are only 3 million podcasts on the internet. And of those 3 million podcasts, less than half have even released a new episode in the past 90 days. So really, there of all of the topics and all of the categories, there really aren't that many podcasts that exist. So especially in your specific category, like just know if you're thinking about starting a podcast or if you have one and you're not sure if it matters, just remember there really are not that many people who keep going. So you should do it. 
Absolutely. So let's let that lead into what I think we should talk about, which is lessons from recent launches that we've seen. I think this is really applicable because I know a lot of clients listen to this, as well as entrepreneurs. And I know other virtual assistants that listen to this that are in my industry, as well as people that are looking to launch memberships. So I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation. I just, I think it was just two weeks ago, you and I were talking about how everyone we know is selling a launch approach product, a service. Yeah, this is a big launch season. Yeah, a huge launch season. Like I would say out of the 15 clients I have, maybe 12 of them had launches. I'm not even exaggerating of some sort and some variants. Now, some were a lot bigger than others. Some were just launching new offers, which is still very exciting, just different in the amount of workload that goes into it. And since you just came off of your founding member launch, I thought we would talk a little bit about what we both learned, what we're seeing, trends that we're hearing. So tell me a little bit about what you have maybe seen how are you feeling about this recent launch? Are you disappointed? Are you excited? Are you energized? How do you feel? I'm definitely energized. I think, you know, at the time we're recording this, where it's still happening, doors haven't closed yet. But by the time this airs, doors will have been closed for like two weeks. So my energy may feel different at the time that this airs. But right now, in the midst of it, I would say I feel good about it. The numbers are about where I expected slash hoped they would be I'm feeling like decently okay about it and not like blowing myself away or anything but I also do think it's important to note like I have launched things in the past to crickets I have launched things in the past that I was disappointed and I think like if you're in entrepreneurship long enough and you have enough offers you have experienced that feeling so I'm going into this membership with somewhat modest (laughs) expectations like you know what let's just uh let's hope for this like first step goal instead of imagining that I'm going to be like this overnight viral sensation (laughs) so I think that's a really good first takeaway is if we could give someone advice on having a launch, whether you're supporting someone in a launch or you yourself are having a launch of any kind, whether it's a subscription service, a membership or a product or a service, keep your expectations reasonable. Don't you think that's fair? Yeah, I think it's tough because you listen to like Amy Porterfield's podcast and her trainings or whatever, you hear her success stories. And not just, I'm not trying to come for Amy Porterfield's um, business, but like any big name like that. And they share these success stories of students who were overnight viral sensations. And it kind of sets this false expectation that we can all do that. You can just like post something on the internet and hundreds or thousands of people are going to buy and it's going to change your family's life. And you're going to build all this wealth. And the next thing you know, you'll be buying property in Nashville. Because I feel like that's what all the entrepreneurs have been doing the past few years, like buying (laughs) property in Tennessee. But um, anyways, (laughs) neither here nor there. The point is those are very unusual circumstances to have an overnight success story like that. Most success doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. But you like you have to start at the beginning. So the only way you're going to get to a really big launch is if you start launching, if you start working on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people don't realize how much work goes into a launch, creating the material. You and I were just talking fairly recently. I think it was me and you that were talking about this, about how people sell. I think it was. 
I think it was <laughs> when people say that they um, they sell an offer, a product or a subscription, membership, whatever, and they haven't created the material yet. Was this you I was talking to? I don't remember. Okay, no. sorry. I, I can't remember who it was I was talking about. But I think it was really interesting to talk about. I know a lot of people who sell a product and before they even worry about building oh, out the yes, product. we did talk about that. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm sitting here racking my brain about if it was not Sarah. Who did I talk to about this? No, it's like a recommended tactic that some people yeah. do as like pre-selling before you spend time building something that people – you don't even know if it's going to be successful. You don't even know if people are going to want it. You, you don't even know if there's a market for it. So before you spend – all this time creating the infrastructure and the systems and the automations and paying for platforms and all this, then and then you try to sell it and nobody buys it, then you spent all of those hours creating for nothing. So there how is like a school of thought of like sell it before you've built it. And then how do you, you feel about that? It. I'm torn. So on one hand, I feel like it's dangerous business advice because part of the reason why people coach you to do that is so that you can have a quote unquote quick cash injection so you can pay for their services. That's why they're part of the reason why they're recommending that you do that. On the other hand, I have been a person who spent hours and hours building a course and sold it to one student, right? Like I have been that person and that that's not a good feeling. <laughs> it's a lot of work to build out an offer. The reality is in my situation, I know that what I built is good. I know why it didn't sell. I know it could have sold. I didn't really like it. <laughs> and I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't spent the time building it. And when yeah. I say I didn't like it, I mean, I didn't really like having a digital course. I didn't like being hands off with the individual going through it. I didn't like pre-recording the material. I, I wanted that contact with the people and I and I love my one-on-one -on -one client situation, like being a service provider. Yeah. I know you feel the same way, like building those relationships, but I wouldn't have known that I felt that way if I hadn't built the online course. So yeah, this is exactly why I don't launch anything and probably I know for a fact I probably never will. The amount of anxiety it would give me <laughs> to know that I have not created this thing and people are buying and I cannot even I admire people who can do that and do it often. Like I have clients that operate with that. Like we're just going to put this idea out in the world, see if anybody bites at it. And if they don't, oh, well, we haven't spent time, you know, building it out. And if they do, awesome, I'll just build it out. To me, that that speaks a lot to the confidence and the um, ability to just know your shit enough to get it done so quickly. Oh my God, it just makes my, my heart is pounding right now just thinking about it. But that's also someone who works in deliverables. It just makes me think of all the work that goes into it. Yeah. But I think Okay, I first want to say you totally are going to launch things because I suspect, I mean, we've talked about there are things we will ultimately launch with Big Brave Business. We're not launching anything right now. We're not offering anything right now except for free content on podcast and YouTube. But ultimately, I do think there will be other things we do with Big Brave Business. and I, But it doesn't necessarily have to look like a big extravagant course. There's so many other things you can launch and um and i think one big thing i we've we uh i don't think it hasn't aired yet but we had a guest on youtube we recorded with so it's coming out soon uh jackie she is a launch specialist and her whole premise jackie hayes is that she 
teaches coaches, I don't know how you want to think of that, supports launches that you can launch any way you want. Your launch can fit your personality style, your energy style, whatever works for you, and you can design it your own way. And there's these like kind of cookie cutter formulas you can use or you can mimic what somebody else does, but you can also design it to look like however you want it to as long as it's legal, right? Which is true of all online business. Yep. I think that's a very good second point. So yourself, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> keep your expectations practical to your launch can look however the hell you want it to. Like yeah. you said, there are so many freaking coaches out there that'll tell you how to sell, how to sell, how to sell. But I think a big part of it is at the end of the day, and I am, I am going to plug somebody. <laughs> I just did. Here, I'm sitting here talking about um, coaches and, and coaches that teach you how to sell. But I'm going to tell you that if, let's see, this is going to come out. Okay. This will have already came out and been released by the time that this podcast does. We've talked about her before. She's one of my beloved clients, Debbie Sasson. I'm obsessed with her. I love her. I love her so much. I love her material. Like I would pay if I'm just fortunate enough that she's a client and I get to like read and edit and all of her material before anybody else does. I don't have to pay for it. But (laughs) Debbie Sasson is a money coach for female entrepreneurs, specifically in the Jewish community, but she really works with everyone. She has a new free course. It is a free four-day course. I have edited all the audio and it is so good. Y'all, it's so good. (laughs) It's called The Art of the Non-Sleazy Sales. And it just makes you really put things into focus about selling, which is we're supposed to be selling in from service and Mm -hmm. how we show up, whether you're doing a launch, you're selling a product, whatever it is that you're doing in your business, the energy that you approach people with, they can feel and respond to. And it's all about having a good sales experience and a good relationship with who you're selling to. Anyways, it's awesome. I highly recommend it. I'm so glad you got to hear that because I'm trying to think of the timing of our conversations, but I feel like we had this conversation right around the time you she was putting this together and you were probably working on this, which is the big question of does sales always have to feel sleazy? Is there something mm-hmm. inherently about sales that, I mean, obviously the most successful selling is going to come from a place of understanding psychology and understanding like what gets people to say yes, what gets people to buy. And there's something about that that feels inherently manipulative. So does sales have to be sleazy? And it was interesting because I think both of us, and I don't want to speak for you, but just because we had the conversation, I think both of us have previous life experience that makes made us come into entrepreneurship feeling like there's something we don't like about sales. And even in the on- online entrepreneurship space, we all know there are people who do it in a way that doesn't feel good. And there are mm-hmm. people who we don't inherently think our problem, but like we worry at what point is this going to start to feel sleazy to me? Like, can I trust this person? Are they just trying to sell me something? If they're trying to sell me something, does that inherently mean I can't trust them? Like we come in with all this to this field, this industry, I don't know, with all this baggage about sales and money. And it if you find out somebody's trying to sell you something, it does feel a little bit like, oh, that's all you want from me. I've been duped. So I guess I want to ask you that question. Like, after listening to this content, do you think that there's something about sales? Obviously, you can choose to do it as ethically as possible, but there's something about sales that is inherently always going to be a little sleazy. 
I don't think it has to be. I don't think it has to be if you come to it with the mentality of service first. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is not how can these people give me their money, but how can I help these people in a way that benefits us both? I think that if you come into it with that mindset, I don't think Mm -hmm. you have to. Now, you and I very recently spoke about, I kind of told you, I work in marketing. 99.9% of my job is marketing. Marketing and sales are both two um, industries that have a tendency to lean into fear-mongering quite a bit. That means that um, you use people's fears against them to get them to a sale. I have a lot, as I've shared with you, a lot of religious trauma growing up that was all based on fear about, you know, if you do this, then you're going to do this. Or if you um, don't listen to this or do this the right way, you're going to go to hell for the rest of your life. And it puts that fear inside of you. So everything that you feel and every emotion, every thought you have has a negative connotation attached to it. Sales can also do that. Marketing can also do that. That is all marketing is, is finding out flaws, weaknesses. We've talked a lot about capitalism pre, like very recently, you and I have. That's all it's geared towards. I can't mm-hmm. stand that. And that to me is where the sleaziness factor comes into it. Not to make this long-winded, but with this content that I have just taken in of Debbie, something I thought of hers that was really impactful was get out of your client's wallet. It doesn't matter. It should never matter to you what they can afford, what they can't afford when you go into the sales conversation. It doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter to you if they get the money from their retirement, from a loan, from, you know, their savings, from their aunt, uncle. It doesn't matter. That is not your responsibility. Your responsibility as you go into the sales call is to simply be in service. Don't be worried about what everybody else can do. You be worried about what you can do for them, period, the end. And if they can't work with you, then they can't. So, Will there always be an element of of sales that has to be sleazy? It doesn't have to be. But will it for most people? Yes, unfortunately. I think that's just the nature of it. Especially if you're carrying that baggage in. It's so interesting because when I most of my sales experience is on sales calls, right? With trying to sell the done for you services. It's not that like going wide type of launch that we were talking about. But when I get on those calls and I'm talking to somebody there are people I really want to work with, right? I love the project that they're planning, like what they want to do with their podcast, their vision for things, their core values. I like them as a person. We establish a quick report. I really, really want that to work out. And sometimes it doesn't. Um, But unless the only time is that like tea conversation we had where like somebody ripped off my entire strategy session and created an Instagram account about it. If you missed that story, you need to go back and binge our old episodes. Other than that, I've never left a sales call thinking like, I'm frustrated that that person doesn't want to do it or can't do it, right? I've never left that situation feeling that way. Am I disappointed if it doesn't work out? Sometimes, like just transparently, of course I am. There's projects I really want to be a part of. But also, I always go into that conversation feeling like this is, I know the value that I have to offer. I'm going to tell you about the value I have to offer. It either is or isn't a priority in your in your life and your business right now. And if it isn't, that's your prerogative. Like that's, it's your life to live. I got so frustrated during Amazon Prime Day. If you follow me on threads, I posted about this, but I got so frustrated during Prime Day sales because I saw so many entrepreneurs posting things along the lines of like, it's funny, you didn't have the money for my program, but now I see you 
buying stuff on Amazon Prime Day. And then like even being facetious and being like narrator voice, um, it turns out she did have money or something like that. And I'm like, you're trying to be quippy and funny. But the reality is like what I posted is I my my question back to you is like, is your ideal customer really somebody who would have to choose between your program and a vacuum cleaner on Prime Day? Like, I don't think so. But also, let's stop like judging people about how they choose to spend their money that's up to them that's not your choice it's up to them just because they didn't want to work with you like i don't know okay i'm sorry i don't mean to interrupt you the amount of anger that is like radiating through my body at that whole mentality (laughs) oh my eyes are literally watering i want to punch somebody in the face i hate that mentality Mm. of like okay not trying to make this about religious trauma but i am going to tell you this funny story really quick about something very similar to this when i started going through my deconstruction from the church i learned from a therapist there's this thing called the jesus juke and it's when a pastor will take something. I'm going to give you an example. And it just reminds me so much of this scenario. It's when a pastor goes, so did everybody watch the Super Bowl last night? And everybody's like, yeah, watch the Super Bowl. It was great. And then the pastor goes, if only you would get that excited for Jesus. It's called a Jesus. <laughs> it's called a Jesus juke. That is yes. exactly what that is. But that that's is taking- why, because capitalism is built off of the exact same psychological principles as I'm not going to say religion. I'm going to say organized religion. And even that I said lightly, it's cults and sects, which sounds crazy, but like it is cult mentality. It is cult mindset. I actually like did a thesis in college on uh, cult sex, sex, cults and politics. And it is literally like that's what it's built off of. So when you keep making the parallel to religious trauma, and I want to say this for the person listening who's like, maybe relates to that of yes, me too. I can see that in my like religion too. I can see that in how I was raised too. Or I, you know, I've heard a pastor say those words that you were just talking about, you know, that kind of thing. The reason it feels so the same is because it literally is the same. It literally is the same. Yeah. Yeah. And I also want to say, too, that I respect, love and admire so many wonderful people who identify as Christian, Jewish. Totally. That's why I was like, it's not religion. Well, it's not it is. religion. It's it organized is. religion or it's like a sect and cults situation. So just because you yeah. have faith doesn't make you inherently. Correct. Correct. Of course, that's not what I'm trying to say. But what I am trying to say is that sales is very much so related to. Anyways, what we're talking about. But that makes me want to like literally go into fight or flight mode that somebody would get on the threads and be like, oh, wait, you didn't have money, but you will. Oh, and something else I I hate is when people give and I love small businesses so freaking much. Let me start by saying that I make my money off of supporting small businesses. My family is all small business owners. What I cannot stand is when people go and they say, oh, you'll go buy Rihanna's clothing line, but you won't buy from my clothing. Well, maybe I don't like your clothing. Maybe I want to look like Rihanna. Okay. Or maybe I do like your clothing, but I also like Rihanna and I can't get both. I mean, like it just, I mean, let's just stop penalizing people for, or like judging people for how they spend money. And that kind of attitude, first of all, is not going to attract new people to Mm -hmm. you. And that's another thing I was talking about on threads is like, do you think posting that kind of stuff is making your potential uh, 
potential clients who see it, people who might want to work with you, see that post and think, yeah, I'd love to work with this person. Probably not. Second of all, just because that person bought, in your example, bought Rihanna's clothing doesn't mean they won't buy from you. But if that's the kind of stuff you're going to post on the internet, bet your ass I'm not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So like, just so and that's something that I put is like, they haven't bought from you yet. Like, just stop just stop judging people for how they and normally we don't tell people like what to do on this podcast so I feel bad like kind of giving Mm. commandments but I just feel like I feel and if you have done this I want to say too if you have done this if you felt this if you've posted something like this if you saw somebody else post it and you liked it and made you laugh whatever or do that like little nose snort like yeah I saw people do that right like as you were scrolling if you if you had that feeling, it's because you were raised in capitalism. It's normal, right? Like you had to go through deconstruction from your religious upbringing, right? So this is what we're doing today. We're we're doing some deconstruction. <laughs> but also realize that the number one way, the quickest way to run people off is with desperation. That's in relationships. That's in oh, yeah, friendships. That that's before. in business. I'm a huge big time believer. The number one thing that people tell me that they appreciate after my sales call, I say it 10 times on the call. There is no pressure here. We get to decide what our working relationship looks like. If you don't want to work with me, that's perfectly fine. Let me give you someone who I trust, who I would think would be a great fit for you. Or if not, let me know what you're looking for and I'll help you look. Like I genuinely want you to succeed, even if it's not with me. And that comes off so clean, so supportive, Mm -hmm. so in service. It's not coming off in desperation. So when you say to someone, How dare you buy from Rihanna's clothing line, but you won't support your small town clothing store? That is so desperate. That tells me, oh, so you're not making any money. Nobody wants to shop with you. So why would I want to shop with you? Nobody wants to do that. Instead, why don't you support Rihanna's clothing line? Talk about it on your social media. Talk about how excited you are and how you can't wait to find designs that are similar to hers to support the people that are interested in buying her clothes and why you guys are excited about it. I mean, supporting other people is the best way to get people to want to shop with you. Oh my God, this conversation has got my blood pressure through the roof. (laughs) (laughs) I think also so I'm sorry about that. Take some deep breaths. Drink some water. I I'm think- like over here chugging a V8 energy drink. No wonder my heart's pounding. Go ahead. <laughs> She's just to water. I think also not just the supporting other people, but also the level of I had a client say to me recently, I could never have done this without you. And I said, yes, you could. Of course you could. Of course you yeah. could. But you don't have to. You don't have to. And I'm so grateful that we're doing this together. I'm so grateful to be a part of it. I'm so happy and thrilled to help you do this, to get to be part of this project. And here's the reasons why I love it. But of course you could. What makes me so much more special than you? Nothing. I just already have experience doing this. This is my expertise. But you could learn it if you wanted to. You could DIY it if you wanted to. Why could I learn it, but you couldn't? Of course you could, but like that's not your focus. Your focus is doing all the other things you're doing. So let me take care of this for you, right? And I hate hate that kind of marketing too, personally, where it's like, you need me. You can't do this without me. I'm the only one who can offer this. I'm the only one who can do this. This is what makes – and I think people get caught up in this, like, what sets you apart or what's your unique proposition, and people get caught up in, like, kind of 
the positioning themselves as like, this is why I'm so special and you need to work with me. But like to take this kind of harsh real talk reality check, like unless you're like a brain surgeon or a rocket scientist, like what you do is not, you're not special. You just have expertise in that area. You have experience in that area and you have interest in focusing on that area, which not everyone does. It's not everyone's idea of a good time to edit podcasts. That's okay. doesn't mean they couldn't do it. It's not rocket science, right? Like what I do, and this, I struggled with this a little when I started my business of like, but what I do is not even that hard. Okay. But people don't want to do it. (laughs) So, if I do want to do it, then there are people who will pay me to do it for them. Cool. But like, I think we just kind of have to get off our high horses sometimes of like, instead of treating people, because that's such a scarcity mindset of like, mm-hmm. you have to work with me or you can't do this. You won't mm-hmm. be able to do this on your own. No, that's bullshit. You can do anything well, you put your mind to if you take the time to learn it. Exactly. Do you that want feeds, to? <laughs> it feeds right back into that desperation mindset. And it also plays into fears and it also plays into imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like there are so many incredible potential business owners out there. And if you're listening to this, just listen to me say this five or six times on repeat. Hit that like go back 10 second button and hear me say this again and again. There are so many awesome potential business owners out there who would have excellent products, services, and businesses who are absolutely frozen in fear because mm-hmm. there's someone already doing it. Mm-hmm. You're <laughs> and I'm totally like, right. I'm like, you could do it too. And it doesn't have to be who's better. It could just be that there are Correct. endless amounts of people looking for your services. Yes. There are, And something else Debbie harps on, and I tell myself this all the time, and it helps me before I go into a sales call. There is endless amounts of money and business in the world. Do you know how many people there are in the world? Do you know how many people? There are endless amounts of people that want to work with you. That's it. Period. The I end. Think, yeah. And I think some of it is timing. Some of it is personality match. Some of it, I mean, like when I met you and even now today, do I think you're the only person who could do this job for me no. for Podfox? No, of course not. But do I want to work with you more than anyone in the world in this role? Yes. And, and like, that's because at this point, I adore you. I love you. Also, you've done a really good job with me, like in, with PodFox. So like, could somebody else do it? Yes. If you decided tomorrow, I don't want to work in podcasting anymore. I'm going to let your account go. Would I be hurt? I mean, yeah, because we're friends. And I'd be like, where the hell does this come from? But I also could go hire someone else. I like for sure believe that. What made me want to work with you was like a perfect kismet of like timing and personality match and a recommendation from somebody who I trusted. And I want to say this too. Here's another one, like a good soundbite for you, like Amanda's. I don't buy from people who make me feel like shit about myself, period. Mm -hmm. And frankly, I don't even follow people who make me feel like shit. If you're marketing If you're putting marketing out there that makes people feel terrible about themselves, expect people will unfollow. I think that you're setting yourself up for that relationship to be more difficult if they do buy from you from a place of you made me feel terrible. That that relationship is never going to be a healthy working relationship. So instead... The people who put marketing out there, and hopefully this is you listening, the people who put marketing out there that make me feel inspired, happy, seen, that feels relatable, that feels encouraging, that feels optimistic, that feels real, realistic, but like 
I want to feel empowered. I want to feel motivated. I want to feel lit up, right? I don't want to feel torn down or bullied or shamed or guilted. I don't want my, to read about my deepest fears. Believe me, I spend enough time with my deepest fears. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with you. I think oh, this discussion was so infuriating, but also so inspiring. I hope that people find it as interesting and hear where we're coming from and say, oh, that's exactly how I feel too. So or in at that- least give you some things to think about. Like yeah. Hopefully some reframes that totally. if you hadn't thought about this before, hopefully now your wheels are turning. Yeah. So on that wonderful note, what's making you happy this week? Um, I had – so <laughs> I've been searching for pizza that really – that's like just really great pizza for a while. And there's some places we like. There's some places we really like. But I've had pizza that I loved except for when you and I were in Vegas together. I loved that pizza. And last night we ordered from a place that I haven't had in a long time, years and years, but I used to get all the time. And it's New York Pizza Department, NYPD Pizza. I don't know That's how- cute how wide ranging this brand is but we ordered from there last night and I like cannot stop thinking about it I seriously might order it again like I loved it so much really enjoyed it and just a little shout out to you and me and our pizza date in Vegas I actually uh, ordered the same toppings like I created the same pizza and I loved it that's awesome what about you making me happy this week I have um thought for years and years that I have ADHD and I have self-diagnosed myself many moons ago and tried really hard to notice the symptoms of having ADHD. My brother had been diagnosed with ADHD when he was in college and it totally changed his life when he got on medication. I've often thought like I should okay. make that. First of all, I did not even know you had a brother. Um, first of all, I am alone. one of six. Did you know this? I thought it was all sisters. Like, I literally what? did not know you have a brother. Um, Do you have multiple I have, brothers? I have two. What? <laughs> yeah. I have two I've brothers. I've a year and a half, and I swear to God, you've never mentioned a brother ever. Yes. I have an older brother <laughs> who is only Shout 11. Shout out to any brothers who might be listening to this. Yeah. Thank you. He 100% does not listen to this because he thinks I'm such a loser. But he is only 11 <laughs> months older than me. Um, we could not be more opposite. Um, but fun fact, he is the only sibling out of all six of us that is my biologically full biological sibling. I have all the rest of my siblings are adopted or yeah. So just crazy. But yes, my, where was I going with this? Oh, my brother has ADHD and it totally, (laughs) there we go. Rabbit, squirrel, squirrel. Um, so I have often thought that I have ADHD. Where I'm going with this is that I have purchased (laughs) off of Amazon a ADHD, timer and basically what it does is it set it has a timer that says for the next hour 30 minutes 10 minutes five minutes whatever this is what I'm doing and I need that so badly in my life I cannot even tell you guys because I think it's one reason my ADHD brain I am able to be successful at my job because I switch from so many projects at once and I'm able to do it pretty seamlessly where it gets complicated is that when I need to complete a task (laughs) and I start something and I don't get to finish it because then I get taken over to something else. So what I'm going to do with this, I'm making a a commitment, a challenge to myself, is that um, I'm going to use this timer to get projects done and allocate time for each 
of my projects to get done instead of doing little bits here and there to try to move the needle on it. Just get it done at once using this timer. I think it's going to be pretty great. It comes in tomorrow. I will report back and let you know. Yeah, I love that. I have heard somebody else mention as an adult that they were doing an assessment, a professional assessment from a specialist about ADHD and it being able to look back on her life as an adult and see actually two people that I know that are like our peer group who just got diagnoses as adults and they look back and they're like, oh my God, this makes everything make sense Mm -hmm. about what was hard. I've heard that so often. My brother was kind of went through that. He was like, if I would have gotten diagnosed in high school, what a difference it would have made instead of going to college. Yeah. Let alone as in your thirties. Like exactly. Okay. What else is making you happy this week? So my middle stepson is getting his first apartment. So he and his girlfriend were living here and then now they've been living at her house for the past like six months, five months, something like that. And they just signed a lease on their new apartment. So they're moving into a one bedroom. By the time this comes out, they'll have moved in already, but they're in the process of moving right now. And we got to have dinner with them last night having pizza and uh, because I'm still thinking about that pizza and it was just so nice to see them and they're doing so good and they're so happy and like seeing them take this next step forward I just I'm there's something really special about seeing your kid happy totally agree totally agree I mentioned last week briefly that I got a new iPad case in the hopes Mm, that it mm -hmm. will help me get into writing again. I've been wondering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I finished On Writing by Stephen King, and it was one of the most beautiful books that I've listened to in a very, very, very long time. I'm obsessed with him. I spent, I don't know, 12 hours while I was working yesterday watching and listening to Stephen King um, interviews. And I just think he's incredible. And he has just inspired me so much. I have started to take an online writing course, which is really intimidating. Yes, I'm very excited about that. I am hopeful that I'm going to start really trying to, um, and this is going to go into an episode that we're about to roll over and record talking about hobbies and interests. And I think that this is going to be really good for me. I'm very hopeful about it. I don't know when I'm going to fit it into my day, but I'm very Uh, much so excited about it. (laughs) Let's 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 just say that the timer from Amazon may roll over into this as well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so excited to hear you continue to keep us updated on all these things. I think it sounds amazing. And I have definitely been thinking about you and wondering. I almost like sent you a message. I was like, have you been writing? So my third thing that's making me happy this week is that I booked plane tickets for my next trip, which is in the fall. Um, So we have this tradition in my family where my dad and my brother, my brother lives in Texas. My dad lives in Pennsylvania. I grew up in Pennsylvania and my dad and I will meet at my brother's in Texas. So like both midway across the country kind of a thing. And spend a couple days at my brother's. Well, my dad requested this year due to some like job changes and stuff in his household that we go to him this fall. So I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but a couple years ago, I flew out to celebrate, surprise him for his 60th birthday. And it was the first time I'd been back to Pennsylvania in eight years. I used to go like two to four times a year after I first moved to Arizona, but like I hadn't been in eight years and it was like wild how much it felt like home 
being back there. And that was in 2021. And I have been longing to go back. Also, Eric has never been to DC or Gettysburg, which like I'm from Gettysburg. So I grew up in Gettysburg, basically. But I'm so excited. So we booked plane tickets. We haven't booked like the whole, you know, all the different legs of the trip yet. But we're going to do DC, Gettysburg, and then go visit my dad in Pennsylvania with my brother for a few days. So it's going to be like another two week whopper. Because flying 3000 miles, 2600 miles, like we're going to make the most of it while we're on the East Coast and hit all the things. But we booked officially, we booked the plane ticket. And I'm excited. So it's That's happening. awesome. I also want to just add to my last thing really quick. I saved this quote and I just want to share it because I think it was so impactful <laughs> from my Stephen King book. His oh, son. Yay. Okay. This is just a very, very quick quote. And then I will tell my last thing and we can wrap it up. So Stephen King brought on his son for an interview in his book. His son's name is Joe Hill. If you don't know him, he writes underneath the name Joe Hill, I guess, to kind of separate himself from the fact that his dad is, you know, Stephen Yeah, King. no kidding. Yeah. But he, he said this quote, and I wrote it down because I thought it was so impactful. Like, I cried when I read when I when he said it out loud. But he says, I always thought that my dad's stories sold bravery, that they essentially were making an argument that, yeah, things might get really bad. But if you have some faith and a sense of humor, and if you're loyal to your loved ones, sometimes you can kick the darkness until it bleeds daylight. <laughs> Oh wow. my God. So beautiful. Anyways, on that note, the last thing making me happy is that I have mentioned in the past that I work with a virtual assistant agency who helped me get started being a VA. And just very recently, I was brought on in on the team at Alpine Virtual to help other VAs as they're getting started. I've often thought this would be such a fun new role for me to just step into assisting other people and helping them find their footing and encouraging them and giving them advice. And so I have now started taking on a little bit of, not, I don't want to call it a coaching role. It's more of like mentorship where at 45 days after a virtual assistant is brought on the team, I get to give them advice. They get to ask me questions. We have an hour cool. sit down chat. It's so fun. It's just been um, giving me so much life to see people like succeed in this role mm -hmm. and become a VA and like how it can change your life. I'm a big believer in that this, this business has changed my life. So it's been so fulfilling on that note, make sure that you turn into turn or tune into our YouTube channel. Every single Wednesday, we give you new episodes, totally separate content. You can find it at big brave business. You can find Sarah at Sarah K heater on Instagram, and you can follow me at Amanda Nelson reads like the book and we will see you next week. Yay. See you next week. <laughs>